Hi, my name is Joe Jackson. I'm a journalist, author, interviewer, and broadcaster. And given the nature of the kind of discussion you're going to hear me have with Gabriel Byrne from 1988, let me explain where I was coming from at the time. This interview was originally commissioned to be in an Irish magazine. But after our conversation, Gabriel said something I found truly inspiring, and that later led to me publishing the first anthology of my interviews, Troubadours and Troublemakers. He said... Your interviews should be gathered together in a hardback book so that when people come to interview someone like me, we can say, read that first and we'll take it from there. By the way, that comment cost me a fortune. I'm kidding. Bernard at the time also told me that our interview was the first totally honest, soul-searching interview he'd ever given. But it was Ellen Barkin, his new girlfriend at the time, who said, no one asks questions like that here in Hollywood. I love the blend of the psychological and the sociological and the political. I say all that not to boast, but to highlight the fact that Ellen was the first person ever to identify the three key areas I set out to explore in interviews. Either way, I have to say that Gabriel was exceedingly brave and commendably honest when it came to discussions such as the one you're about to hear. At first, he does sound phased by my question. But the silence that follows is not the same as the kind of great question, I'm glad you asked me that, evasion often employed by politicians. Gabriel, instead, was taking his time to reflect on the issue. And even though he then takes some side routes before finally answering the first question to which I return, even those diversions were of interest to me, and I hope they would be to readers, and I hope they are to you guys listening. By the way, in 2016, I made a radio documentary called Gabriel Byrne, The Joe Jackson Tapes Revisited, and it's already been subdivided into two podcasts, and there's a third with Gabriel about sex. The text of the complete interviews, plus the backstory, and a fragment of memoir about my encounters with Gabriel Byrne are all available in the ebook Gabriel Byrne, The Joe Jackson Interviews Plus, which is available from all ebook outlets. And now... GB. Female stars like Monroe often regard themselves as little more than a lump of meat processed, packaged, and delivered to feed the often venial fantasies of their audience. Do you ever see yourself in those terms? A new one's for you, I have a plane journey to work on. Got some great questions there, some really great questions. Um, <laughs> I go, you can tell me that. But this is what I'm saying to you earlier. I think even interviews can kind of make you. I've done it, you know. Harris said it to me later. They they can make you think. You're making me ask myself things that never. That's very true. You know. So, so if you and I can do it, well, there's a possibility that this will spill out when people read it. That's very true. You know what I mean? That's very true. Um, Do you want a question again? No, I, 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 I. I think that somebody like Marilyn Monroe, first of all, belonged to a different, uh, a different era of the cinema. When there was a sense of mystery attached to the movies, I think one of the things that's happened in movies over the last, say, 10 years, maybe longer, 20 years, is that a sense of mystery has been taken out of movies. Uh, at that time, technology was only so far advanced that you could walk into a cinema, a crowded cinema, and up there, 50 times larger than life, was somebody who you didn't know and you never had the possibility of knowing, dwarfing you in this dark room, a huge, powerful image of sexuality or whatever it was. 
now I watch these guys at weddings and they're going around with video cameras on their shoulders and they're able to do it. Film stands for a day. And they're film stands for a day. They now have the means of production, the technology at their disposal to reproduce their own images on a screen in their own room. Now what happens is that when you do a movie, people are not going to movies anymore like the same way that they did. They're watching things on television. So what happens is that as soon as you take the image out of that darkened room, out of the big screen, and put it onto a television, you reduce the image to your so that you can identify. I can do that. I can just get a camera and I can do exactly that. I'm not saying that people are consciously thinking that, right. but the mystery is coming out of it. And Marilyn Monroe was packaged with mystery and mystique. And it's for no accident that they are called, she was called a goddess. Mm-hmm. And that uh, movie, movie actors are called stars because stars are unattainable. Goddesses are unattainable. Now, with the, with the chat show, with the, with, with the interview, with people's ability to make their own movies to take their own photographs. Like, you don't have to do anything with a camera, you take your own photographs. That sense of mystery and excitement is gone. And so, therefore, people aren't that much in awe anymore of the, like, the myth of the goddess coming down from the mountain like Marilyn Monroe. That's gone. But do you ever feel yourself to process and package to feel venial fantasies, say, like, sexual fantasies of women? I can't help. Stand on the, you know, you're standing there being filming, you know the way they're filming, you know what's basically all about and what you're supposed to be. No, to be absolutely honest, I have never thought of that. I have never thought of myself as supplying a fantasy. Now, at the same time, I know that when the movie goes out, there are certain women um, who who like the look of me, okay? Yeah. Knowing that, I know also that there's an awful lot of women who like the look of Bob Hoskins. They identify with something in him. I don't consciously feel when I'm on a set that I'm being, um, you know, used as you know, fantasy fodder. But that's built into the thing. And it's one of the frightening things about it that, I mean, the most extreme example of it was with Jodie Foster and that guy, Inc., where people project what they want onto the image that is you. Or Lennon, the guy who killed him. Or the guy who killed Lennon. And then, well, why why he killed Lennon? Because he said he was getting too big-headed. So how the fuck did he know? So you are up there and it's one reality to you. I mean, there could be cameras all around here now, and there could be sound equipment and uh, lights and everything else, and we are talking to each other in in a reality. As soon as the filmed record of what we've been talking about, our situation here at this moment, goes onto the screen, it's out of our control. Other people then project something onto you, and they project something onto me. And over that, I have no control. And that's what's frightening because you're not in control of how people the react reaction, to you. Response. You're confronted by, uh, I mean, are you, you must have been confronted by females who had the kind of a fixation maybe on the film image and tried then to kind of attach it to you. Or, or yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I found that. But then again, I remember uh, somebody came to Morris O'Donnell in RTE and accused them of making her pregnant from the television set. You know, it's like anybody who the, the screen distances you from distances you from people, and people see you in a way that's not real. So therefore, they meet you in reality and are a bit confused because you're not like you were in that. And at the same time, you're the same person, and so therefore, how do they relate to you? And to be honest, the one thing that I I have no control over is how other people see. Me. And I, I have a hard time dealing with people who say, you know, uh, you know, you're really, 
you look really great, man, or you're really handsome, or my mother adores you, or whatever. It's nice. It's yeah. fucking nice, yeah. to be honest. It's better than a kick in the ballots. It's better yeah. than being told that you're ugly or that, you know. Um, but you have to come to terms, and at the same time, it, it has got to mean nothing, because as soon as it begins to mean something, then you start maybe getting out here with these people and projecting things onto yourself. Is there a tendency to exploit women who would come to you in that situation to help you hang up on the screen image? You could. You could. It has happened uh, once or twice, but um, I have never... Uh, I have never exploited anybody in that way. It was, well, maybe exploitation was too harsh a word, but it would be hard for a lot of men, a lot of women not to. Well, I've got I've got very blatant invitations, you know, from uh, from women, but um, I've never taken them. Up. I've never taken them up, never. Um, and not just not just in Ireland, but I mean in other places as well. Um, people who wouldn't necessarily know who you are just because you were in a movie, they say, "Oh." But um, is that because you're you're involved in a long term relationship, or you didn't feel it was right? Or? Yeah, I'm not really into. Uh, that kind of uh, relationship. I really am not because uh, you're being um, you're being courted for something that's in their minds and it's not the you. I mean, if, mm. if um, uh, I have had one or two uh, uh, difficult experiences where you know women have uh, made life a bit difficult for me, and. Um, by and large, I am treated well by women. I get a positive response from women. And I didn't before, or at least I felt I didn't before. So I yeah. wonder now, is it because I'm just on television? I don't think I've changed. And it's a strange thing to go from being totally unknown to being well-known. It's <clears throat> but you, you are involved in a long-term relationship at this point, or are you? Is that just you well, I, I have been involved in a long-term relationship, yeah. Uh, a woman who, who, who gave me tremendous support and uh, uh, gave up her career for me really um, to, to, to go to England with me and um, um, because of because of my uh, involvement in that relationship I tended not to take advantage of any opportunities that were offered to me in, uh, in the street or in pubs well, that's not to say that I haven't been tempted. I've been really tempted, believe me. If Anne really Margaret had come over. Huh? If Anne Margaret had come over at the party. Anne Margaret did come over at the party. Did she? Yeah, but Anne Margaret wasn't interested in projecting that today. She's very happily married. It's probably five years the same. Life. Roger Smith? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah she married the day after Elvis did that. The Smith was on the rebound. Did, uh, did, are you still involved in that relationship? Isn't she part of the production company? Yeah, I have a company in London. Um, I still have a relationship. Well, I don't want to talk about that. If you're not right. fair, okay. <laughs> uh, all right. This that, that dimension. I don't know if you thought of it too about kind of uh, selling video fantasies via the hero. Feminist critics of film often suggest that male romantic heroes can be used to reduce women to the role of passive fantasists. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. That is because, very simply, most movies are written, directed, produced, distributed by men. And whether one agrees with that or disagrees with it, that is a reality. And I have known actors. I would hate to be an actress. I really would. I, I, unless you were Meryl Streep or Jessica Lange. 
to be an actress must be another fucking thing because um, it's not that there isn't a walk around, but it's the kind of work that's around. It was the kind of parts that I used to be offered. You know, I would be offered the part where I would be the guy who was saying to the hero, don't do it. Please don't do it. You know, you know, I really care about you. And the guy would take up a gun and shoot me and that would be the end of me. That was the kind of role. Women are seen as satellites around the male stars. Uh, unless you happen to be one of the 10 like leading film actresses in the world, say like um, Diane Keaton, Jessica Lange, um, Meryl Streep, you, you know, the, the very elite bunch at the top. The rest of actresses have to fight for roles that are, in many cases, one dimension, that are a reflection of the hero's problem. Okay, you do a movie about a guy who's killed somebody. What's the woman's role in that? The woman's role in that is to be the comforter, uh, the one he confesses to, the one who helps him. Movies that are about women uh, and the story being centred around them are much less frequent than stories about hero men. And I was looking at a movie the other night, I forget what it was, and a terrific actress was in it. And the guy who was going through this big fucking problem, will I, won't I, I've lost everything. And she was just saying, it's okay, darling, it's okay, I'm here for you. You know, and again, it's the same thing as the Irish getting hold of their own image in film and projecting that abroad, that women have to start making movies of their own. Not necessarily about women, about feminism, but stories told from a woman's point of view. But that's really difficult for them to do because women can't get a fucking, they can't get an even break here. A woman finds it very difficult to raise money to make a film. There are very few women directors. Would you, you never see yourself in those times they would criticize that a romantic hero is to reduce women to the role of passive fantasists? Yeah. I think, that, I think that's not just true of film. I think that that's true of, of, uh, of uh, popular, culture in general. popular culture. I think it's a reflection of popular culture. And it's been in novels since God knows when, you know. Um, women writers, uh, I mean, have been exceptional. Great women writers have been exceptional rather than the rule. And uh, great uh, heroines um, who have carried the book as their story. I mean, even some people like Jane Austen and George Eliot, people like that. Mostly books have been written about men, by men, about men, with women as the secondary characters, as the supporter. And that is the way it has been in society. And that is the way... That's the way it is now. That's the way it is now. That's so if, you were, if you're accused by a feminist, did a feminist fact in your films and say, this is what kind of heat and environment is being, is being used for? I would, I would say that I have, to, I, I have to agree. Hi, Joe Jackson here again. I hope you enjoyed this edition of the Joe Jackson Interviews podcast. And don't forget that Gabriel Byrne, the Joe Jackson Interviews Plus, is available from all ebook stores. Thank you for listening.